Welcome to CCSE. I'm Harold, one of the pastors. It's my honor to bring to you God's word today. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and if you would follow along in your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 7, verses 20 to 23, and then a good portion of the way through, through we'll be turning to James chapter 3. So let's give our full attention to this. Mark chapter 7, this is Jesus speaking, starting at verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within And they defile a person. This is God's word for us today. All these things come from within and they defile a person. How are you guys today? We had a guest speaker last week and so thankful to Pastor Justin. But I'm able to address you directly today. So much has been happening. And it almost feels like nonstop, does it not? I don't know how you're processing everything, but I know that God's word can bring us supernatural perspective, clarity, hope, and God can meet you and God can meet me right here, right now, as we spend time in the gospel of Mark. If I asked you at the outset, what do you think is the greatest problem we face today? What's the greatest threat? I mean, shouldn't we all live safer, happier, better lives by now? That's an absolutely broken premise and promise of the Western world. So what keeps going wrong? What is our greatest problem today? What do you say to that? There's two possible answers. First, many people say, The greatest problem is out there. Outsource it. You see, we outsource it. The problem is in other people and other things. Two days after the March 16th shooting, the massacre in Atlanta, eight people died, of which six were Asian women. A House Judiciary Subcommittee met to discuss the rise, the exploding rise in racist rhetoric, harassment, and attacks against Asian Americans in this country during especially this pandemic. At that hearing, Representative Chip Roy of Texas decided to completely divert and focus on a different topic of his ongoing right to criticize China. Quote, we shouldn't be worried about having committee members of Congress policing our rhetoric because some evildoers do engage in some evil activity as has occurred in Atlanta, Georgia, end quote. See, for Chip Roy, evil lies in evildoers out there. Please don't police my speech or rhetoric because there's no evil in here. Now, please don't make any mistake. This happens across all parties. It is endemic to all of the human demographic. In Jesus' day, his worst enemies, 
His arch enemies were not immoral. They were not irreligious. They were not even overtly lawbreakers, criminally convicted. But his enemies happened to be the most religious, the most seemingly respectable, with a righteous cause and righteous rhetoric, who always went about trying to keep their hands clean from unclean foods or unclean immoral people, foreigners and immigrants, the poor, the diseased and disabled, certainly the demonized. While Jesus saw right through them, their hearts remained filthy. This is an outside-in approach. In Jesus' day and in our day, the answer to the question, what is the greatest problem today? Don't talk to me about symptoms. What is at its source? What's the root cause? Those who have an outside-in approach say, well, the evil is out there. It's in religious professional leaders. It's in politics. It's in government. It's in education. It's in the lack of social progress. It's in conservatism or progressivism. But these are all bound to fail. All of these kinds of hopes and efforts are bound to fail because all of those things I just mentioned are filled with people. People. An outside-in approach, of course, attempts to make ourselves feel better about ourselves, but it will never make us or the world we live in better. Here's Jesus' answer to this question. What is the greatest problem in the world? What's at its source? He does not take an outside-in approach. He says it's straight from the heart. He says it's straight from every human heart. He says it's right in here. You're looking at one right now. Jesus completely counters outsourcing all evil out there. And he takes us down. Not into some obscure corner of our hearts. Not just some peripheral part. Or sometimes we fall into this. No, he takes us right down into the core. The core of our hearts. And here's what he exposes. And here's how he explains it. He lists all kinds of things that come out of the heart. He starts with sexual immorality. The Greek word for that is porneia. Porneia. Pornography seems to be a root of all kinds of evils and sins. And then I'm going to jump to another word called adultery. Those two words, sexual immorality and adultery. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? It does not come from an outside temptation. It does not need to be blamed on an outside person. It comes from straight from the heart. And Jesus goes on in another sermon to say, you can well commit adultery and sexual immorality just in your heart long before your hands get around to carrying it out. Two more words, two more exposures that Jesus gives, theft and murder, theft and murder. Some of you have stolen. Some of you continue to steal. Some of you want to murder. You may not have carried out murder. Maybe some of you have. And you may escape a court of law. You may escape human conviction, but you'll not escape God's. Once again here, theft and murder happens first, and we are liable and convicted of sin before God before we act it out. It just happens and comes straight out of the heart. 
More words, coveting, coveting in the ESV. Other translations, greed, coveting and envy, coveting and envy. Let me just couple those two things together. And I actually think this is relentless, relentless temptation among those who are well-to-do, particularly the upper middle class, particularly my Asian American audience. Because you never feel like it's enough. It's never enough. And this might be most dangerous, coveting and envy, because it hides. It really hides, and you might be deceived that you are inflicted with these two things in your heart. The rest of the list bring nothing but utter ruin. Wickedness or malice in other translations. Deceit, slander, pride, foolishness. If you've been paying any attention to not what I'm saying here, but what Jesus taught, who makes it through just this list? Can I press this further? Who of you listening in can claim to be innocent of any one of these things? Any one of these things in your life? Jesus calls out these things, come straight from the heart, and then he brands it. He labels it. He describes it. He calls them what? Evil. The home address to evil is in your heart. The origin of evil is in my heart. And all of the havoc and hurt just come pouring out from there, according to Jesus. According to Jesus. And they defile a person. You know, after so many scandals that celebrities or political leaders or those who are famous and well-to-do, I don't know who their PR agents are, but I found that the worst answer is, oh, that was so not me. After someone is caught in something embarrassing or offensive, just ludicrous, people turn around and say, that was so not me. But we're like, oh, no, that was you. It's all caught on digital camera. We see you. That was you. That was you. You see, I think what people are attempting to do is after they're caught, they're saying, well, that's usually not me, but you caught me at the worst moment. No, that's not how Jesus explains our humanity. That's not his anthropology. Here's what Jesus tries to explain about you and me. You, when you are tired and tempted, when you are truly tried, when you are pressed and pressured into a corner, oh, then the true, true you comes out. The true you comes out. You see, God is so gracious upon this world. Can I say, you and I would actually be more evil. We would carry out much more evil if we didn't have restraints like laws. The threat of being caught and punished or fined or going to jail. Law enforcement officers. Or how about just social shaming and pressure? To a certain degree, that is good. It keeps people at bay. Church friends and church community. But let's just take all those restraints off. Let's just say you could do whatever you want and no one would ever know or remember or catch you doing that thing. I assure you, according to Jesus, all kinds of evils would be done. That all just comes straight from the heart. You see, outside influences and forces, oh, hear me well. 
even changing laws, which are absolutely necessary and good for the common good. They can only restrain evil. They'll never change it. Now, now I'd like for us to turn to the book of James, chapter 3. James chapter 3, please follow along in your Bibles. I'll read verses 3 through 11 here. And for some reason, this was not recorded months back when I went over this in the series of James. But how relevant and perhaps more relevant this passage is to us. Starting at verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pirate directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? This is according to James. Here's the question that he answers in two ways. What's the smallest thing to unleash the greatest amount of evil? Jesus says all evil comes straight from the heart. Well, what instrument, what vessel, what tool does evil normally employ to unleash the most damage? Pound for pound. What would it be? According to James, it's our tongues. It's our speech. And he answers this question in two ways. The smallest thing to unleash the greatest amount of evil. Number one, the tongue, verse six, Unleashes widespread, devastating, lasting damage like a firewood, a forest fire. You know of all these fires that ravage through the state of California. The old saying that we learned as little kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. <sighs> dead wrong, dead wrong. Because there are all kinds of words that you still carry till today. That have utterly wired you, reprogrammed you, and continue to control you. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, 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 no. God's own word brought about life. He brought about everything from nothing. And so do our words have that kind of impact and effect on other people made in the very image of God. Lest we underestimate its powers, according to James, quote, the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison, set on fire by hell. You know, I would tell you as your pastor, there are outright explicit scandalous things that could threaten and rock a church. But I think I mentioned this before. Nothing comes close, though, to how people talk. 
churches, lives, families. There are countless lives that get damaged by spin, fake news, exaggeration, bullying, and outright threats, accusations, and denials and dismissals. What's the smallest thing to unleash the greatest amount of evil? First answer, the tongue unleashes widespread devastation like a fire. Second answer, according to James, the tongue is small, but directs the entire course of life. Verse six, like a small bit in the mouth of a half ton animal of a horse, the bit is about three to four ounces or a very small rudder, which guides an enormous ship in the seas. Look at verses five and six again. I'll read it for us. Look at verses five and six. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Here is an astonishing insight. Right tucked into those two verses. Notice that James is not saying, if you just get control over the tongue, then you will show and prove you are strong enough to control all the other areas of your life. That is not what James is saying. He says, no, no, no. Like a small rudder or the bit in a horse's mouth, here is what he is revealing by the Holy Spirit. If you control the tongue, your speech, thereby through which in that, that is the controlling device and controlling all of the other areas of your life. You see, it's not just about, hey, take control of your speech, and then it shows how strong you are to take control of all the other areas of your life. No. James is saying, if you take control of the tongue, if you can take control of your speech, you are taking control of all the areas of your life. See, how encouraged would you be if James came out and says, I just want you to take control, be more self-disciplined, self-control over all the areas of your life. How How encouraged would you be? James just simplifies it. He's not over-exaggerating. He just simplifies it. He says, if you control your speech, if you can control your tongue, which is the direct outlet of your heart, this is the controlling device to controlling all of life. It will direct the entire course of your life. The entire course of your life. In other words, if you can control the tongue, control your speech, it will affect, it will color, it'll set the mood of the entire course of your life. You know, given these two recent tragedies in Boulder and in Atlanta, among the host of many, many other things that are just going on in our lives that are heartbreaking. You know, the Asian-ness in me, the Asian part of me tends to stuff it down, stuff it down. Which creates an inner type of rage and hate and depression, an inner hate. The American part of me, or the Americanness, tends to just air it all out, air out the aggression and hate indiscriminately. Do you know for Christian people, and according to James, it is so crucial that you and I put and pour out all of our difficult and complicated emotions before God, before we pour it out to other people? That we put it and pour it out before God 
more than we do it to any other people or especially online? Why would this be the case? Because you do know only God can fully absorb all that hurt and only God can touch and heal you inside out. Only God can take an inner and outward hate from playing a constant, toxic, dark, hopeless soundtrack to your life. My friends, how you talk and how you keep on going to talk sets the soundtrack of your entire life. This is according to James. Oh, but the warning is back on me as I try to teach and preach to you. Verses 1 and 2, James chapter 3. Here James warns people like me. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. James warns here that teachers of God's word, we will be judged more strictly. With more listeners, we are held more accountable. With more influence, there is more consequentiality. With more responsibility, there are eternal, eternal things at stake. And he says, we're going to be judged more harshly. For what? For what? Thanks be to Jesus. Because of his shed blood, his broken body, and his death for me, I cannot be condemned or judged for my sins. For what I have done and continue to do that is so wrong against my Lord and Savior. But James is pointing to, and many other passages of the Bible will tell us, I will be judged, though, with what I did with all that God has given to me. We all will be judged, even as Christian believers, with how we use and maximize all the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. So I will be evaluated and judged for that. And teachers in particular will be judged for that more harshly by God. And, of course, by his people, too. Meaning God judges fairly, impartially, and with equity. With equity. So if you find somebody, you come across somebody, you might find a little bit off-putting or you find like, oh, that person really struggles with articulating basic doctrines, some basic answers to like Sunday school questions or that person is obviously immature in a lot of ways. And please take a step back. Be warned. You know what James is teaching here? He wants you to realize that very person that might be off-putting to you might be far more pleasing to God. And do you know why that might be the case? Because God judges with equity. Meaning, God might be far more pleased with the person who uses much more of what he or she has been given. God is far more pleased with advantages and disadvantages, your life story, your history, your parenting, your education, all the opportunities that were put before you. Therefore, yes, teachers, yes, leaders, yes, preachers, be very, very humble and aware. We are to be held accountable for all that God has given to us by way of privilege and blessing and grace. Now, if this be true, that God judges with equity, how could this not have direct bearing on how Christians view and handle 
all the inequities around us. Do you remember when this pandemic first started? We started, we launched this thing called the IG Live, Instagram Live. And on one of those programs I was sharing with you, steps that we should all take in the face of grief and injustice. Step one was we got to pay attention to history. We have to learn some history. Brian Stevenson, you might know him because the movie Just Mercy is based upon his life story. And he's the one that founded Equal Justice Initiative. Here's Stevenson's wisdom on this. Quote, if you don't know your history, you can't really begin to understand what your obligations are, what your responsibilities are, what you should fear, what you should celebrate, what's honorable and what's not honorable. First step in the face of inequities and injustices and grief. Learn your history. Here's a second. Listen. Listen. James says, be quick to listen. Listen to learn. Listen to lament. As a prime example of this last week, my new friends at Surge Ministry, which is an international missions organization, Met Patrick and Sonny, a friend from way back. And another guy who runs their operations by the name of Matt Allison sent me an email. (laughs) Here's what he wanted to express with me. We're lamenting with you the violence in America against Asian Americans. And while I'm glad that we seem to be awakening nationally to the long history of discrimination and racism against Asians in America... I also can only imagine that this is a really challenging week for you guys personally and in your ministry. Thank you so much, Matt, Patrick, Sonny, all those of you at Surge, my newfound friends. You don't know how precious and how strengthening your words and prayers are. And what timing this is, there's no coincidence, it's a God incidence. I had portions of this message prepared a long time ago. Surge happens to be responsible for Sonship, a fantastic gospel-centric resource, a Bible study. And in Sonship, there's a practical assignment that people need to carry out regarding their speech. And again, mind you, listen, these practical reminders straight from Scripture have to do with not only how you talk in person, but everything you do online. Here's the practical assignment first. Do not complain or grumble. In other words, don't envy or covet. Number two, do not boast about anything at all. In other words, don't say it out loud or put it into print. Your pride. Number three, do not gossip or repeat bad information about somebody else. Slander is mentioned here. Other scriptural passages mention gossip. Number four, do not run somebody down even a little bit. Wow. Don't be wicked. Don't carry out wickedness or malice. Five, do not defend or excuse yourself no matter what. Don't be prideful. Don't be foolish. Number six, do always affirm other people. Do always affirm other people. 
This is the opposite of all the evils that Jesus mentions. Hey, you know, pastor, this, are you telling me not to call out corruption? Are you not calling, calling me to intervene in abuse and call out crimes? No, no, no. Of course the scriptures tell us to do that. But you understand that this practical assignment having to do with speech does not have necessarily to do with crime or injustices. This happens to be the bulk of our speaking and writing and communications. So who makes it through this? I mean, just try this for one week. This is my pastoral opinion, being stuck in lockdown and being more prone to looking at social media. Some of your posts to be frank, frank, frank with you. And you, you, of course, can read mine. I've limited a lot because I just have come to a conclusion with more public outlets, with more public platforms to just write anything you want. And of course, it's better if it's anonymous. I liken them to public toilets. I mean, people are just taking dumps. Yeah, it is. It's, you're just, people are just taking dumps. And I don't know how many of you out there like seeing and smelling all that throughout the day. Like you wake up in the morning and that's what you get to see and smell. Through the midday, you want to take a break. That's what you want to see and smell. Before you go to sleep, you want to have a relaxing, restful, deep sleep. This is what you want to see and smell. Do you like seeing and smelling all that? I'll tell you, God does not. God does not. God will judge. God will judge Christian people. Not only because it's on digital record, but God will judge all of us for how we have used the gifts and the privileges he has given to us. Do you judge it? Do you try to discern and filter through it? Do you limit it? Do you guard against envy, murderous hate in your heart, pride, foolishness, slander when you engage with people online? Must you read all the comments? Or must you jump in and comment into a topic that's clearly not your forte? Oh, my friends, what's the smallest thing to unleash the greatest amount of evil? The tongue. For nobody can tame the tongue. Verse 8. If there were a recording of every word you had ever said, would you be comfortable? For anyone to play that all back in full? You wouldn't want editing. You wouldn't want cuts. You wouldn't want full erase. Uh, just delete and erase for massive sections. You and I both know we can't even pass our own standards. Let alone God's. So how is speech... How is speech, how does it get reborn, not just restrained? <laughs> how do we really change inside out? You're not just not coerced or constrained. You're forced to pretend and posture to be a certain way. No. How do you get reborn? And the answer is in verse 9. Verse 9. With it, our tongues, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Do you know how our speech is reborn? By praising and blessing God the Father. You know, Christians are able somehow to praise God as their own Father 
and turn around and curse people who are made in the very image of God. According to James, it should not be. They're utterly compatible. You see, Christian people can do both, but you can't do both at the same time. So notice what James is arguing here. He's contrasting cursing people with blessing God as our father. If he contrasted blessing and cursing people, it sounds like we can just choose and change given our self-discipline and control. But no, James is pointing to the fact, no, but when you and I praise God and bless God for what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ, who lived and bled out and died for you and me, when you praise and bless God for blessings upon blessings, patience and forbearance and exceeding grace and provisions and protections for all kinds of providence that has come my way, all undeserved. Here is what is going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come inside, clean out all the toxins. He's going to get rid of all the sewage. And a new speech will be reborn from a new reborn heart. Oh, often I think about Isaiah, that mighty professional speaker called by God. But when he comes near the holy, holy, holy presence of God, he wants to disintegrate. He cannot withstand it. He'd rather die until God comes down to cauterize his lips, to burn him and make him new so that he can be used again. Ultimately, this is what God sent Jesus Christ's son to do. For he disintegrated. He got burnt. To cleanse. Cleanse our filthy hearts. Cleanse our filthy speech. And use us again. <laughs> so we close with verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening. Both fresh and salt water. How does Jesus replace your salty, evil speech with fresh, life-giving speech. How does he replace it? He has to replace the source. He has to get right down to the bottom of our hearts. And each time you and I cry out because we see the evil inside, the evil in me, we take an inside-out approach and then cry outward for a perfect Savior each time, every time. We will then be led to praise God, our father, who has saved and blessed us so. And worship, thanksgiving, praise, fresh water will flow. Oh, how the world needs this. And oh, how God supplies it. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father God. You who know and search all things, you know everything about me. Even before the words are formed, you know my heart and all, every intent. Search me and know me. Search us and know us and lead us in a way of everlasting. Cleanse us from within. We cry out for a savior again and again. Make us new from the heart. Lord, I pray for any friend who's listening in, who has never given their hearts, given their lives for Jesus to change them inside out. God, bring them to yourself today as they cry out for Jesus to come into their lives and make them new. 
Hear us. To you be all the glory and praise this day. In Jesus' name, amen.